Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. We are coming to you from of actually still very warm Calgary in late October here. Alyssa, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, this, I don't know where, I think I am, I'll put my 80-year-old woman hat on right now and wonder where the time has gone. But uh, I don't know where October has gone um, completely. I mean, what do we have, like 60 days left of the year of like 2022? And yeah, I mean, it's, it's giving me some anxiety. But anyway, um, we do have an awesome guest today, so we want to get to her. But I understand that Dakota has a bit of a lady rant today. I do. Okay, so first of all, this week has been amazing. Um, definitely a lot of wins. Probably we'll talk about it on another cast. But I do have to just rant about this client I have had for the last two years. I love their cause, but I'm going to just go off. They are among some of the most disorganized, honestly, not very thoughtful people I have ever met. And it all came to blows when there's been millions of things that have gone wrong over the last two years in terms of stringing me along, not being clear with asks, interrupting vacations where I've jumped in and supported them anyway. They had the audacity to call me yesterday and tell me they didn't want to pay my final invoice. No. Yeah. Now, not all of it. They were just like, we don't really believe that you did 54 hours of work in the last two months when I ran a national event for them and promoted it on social media. And there was over like 35 posts. (laughs) Engagement every day on four channels. So I lost it on their CFO and I did not even care. I just popped right off. I was like, I'm disgusted. I'll never work with you guys again. I'm going to take 500 bucks off this. I'm not going to allow the full amount that she's asking that they're asking for to um, be removed, but I will remove 500 just so that I never have to deal with you again. And those are my words verbatim. I've never spoken to a client like that in my entire life, but this is how upset I am. I've almost been in the freaking hospital over these people. Like, I kid you not, they have affected my nervous system so severely Mm. that I just... This was the last straw. So yeah, I said my piece and I was really proud of myself. And then, of course, what did they do? They quietly accepted my offer. And then they had the audacity to ask me for a bunch of shit today. And I'll be ignoring that email. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I can't. First of all, I mean we've all been there and we will talk to Nancy about this in a second when we introduce Nancy, but um, yeah, I think any of us who have been, I mean, I think I know the client you're talking about too. So I'm glad that you just got, finally got rid of them. I think I've been telling you that for like over a year now, but um, yeah, I know that's unacceptable. I will say that you shouldn't have um, just ditched the $500 as money you're still owed. So learning experience, but regardless, um, yeah. I have a rant about I have a rant about a client about that too that just happened to me a couple months ago, but I'll save that for another day too. Or if we have time at the end, I'll bring that up in the snarky email that they sent me. Um, 
but ending the contract with like a day's notice. Anyway. Oh, yeah, it's, I don't know what's, I think everybody's just, I, I made the comment that I think everybody's just losing it. Um, I found people are very, very on edge, very snarky, very, I don't know what's going on with people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why October has sort of been a weird month. But anyway, um, yes, that is a lady rant. That is a rant for everyone, but <clears throat> anyone who works in service and provides um, invoices, but, um, and 54 hours in a month is not even a lot. So even to like bulk at that is freaking ridiculous. But anyway, um, as we said, we have an awesome guest. And it's funny, I came in, I connected with this organization and henceforth our guest. I'm sure it was some invitation or something I saw on social media because I had no knowledge of this organization prior and it was some, I think, whether it was on Instagram or something that I saw this, this thing about this town hall for this um, organization. I was like, I have never heard of this, but this sounds amazing. So I went to the first one and and as I was sitting there, I was like, um, I'm going to invite the executive of this organization on the podcast because this is like, and I sent the email at, in the middle of this town hall session that we were in because I was just like, we need to have her on the, on the podcast. Anyway, uh, joining us today is Nancy Wilson, who is the founder and CEO of the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce. And if you were like me and have never heard of it, that's why we're here because it's actually awesome. And it's also sad that this had to be created as a thing. But anyway, um, as I said, Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce, we will have all of the links to this in our show notes. But if you want to Google as we're talking, um, please do, because um, they're doing such awesome things. Um, but it's a nonprofit organization that advocates for women-identified and non-binary business owners in Canada. And again, that this was necessary speaks volumes to our um, entrepreneur world in, in, in Canada. Uh, but Nancy is a charter professional accountant, which is just ironic that you're on a podcast with two of the most like non-accounting number people known to man. Um, with over a decade of accounting and finance experience in the private sector, which um, obviously is uh, super helpful to any entrepreneur. Um, and then prior to the Women's Chamber of Commerce, uh, she ran her own accounting advisory firm. So she's also an entrepreneur um, in and an entrepreneur in creating an organization. But um, as with all of us, she experienced lack of resources, difficult finding connection, and numerous barriers as a business owner, and therefore came to the idea of creating the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce. And in January of 2018, so it's not that old, but old enough that has already made some impact. So joining us from Ontario, Toronto, Ottawa, where right. she'll tell us, but from Ontario this morning is... Nancy Wilson from the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce. And thank you. This is like awesome that you are here with us this morning. Well, afternoon, I guess we're in Ontario. Uh, still morning here. Still, still a little bit of morning. Right thank now. you so much, Alyssa. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. And, and I'm so pleased that you came to the fall town hall. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love being on podcasts. I love um, meeting uh, women identified entrepreneurs and and finding out what they're doing and of course promoting uh, the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce or I'll just say right now can WCC is is the little short form that I'll be using constantly in case you hear it and you're like what what is that woman talking about 
Um, so yeah, uh, super pleased to be here. Dakota, I'm so sorry that happened to you, happened to me in the past. And I, I spent so much psychological time feeling so much anger about, about the people that did that to me. So even though it hurts me that you had to give up $500, um, and I want to go and, and avenge you, um, I, here's some unsolicited advice you didn't ask for. That's what unsolicited means. So, um, just, um, every time you start to feel angry about that again, um, just tell yourself, you know what, that $500 was, was the price of my, my mental health not having to to deal with those people anymore and and just say you know i that that was an investment for me to just move on from that because those people you have to fire customers sometimes and those people clearly are are anyways we know who they are we know what type of people they are so that that is my hope for you that you can tell yourself some sort of narrative to to let yourself just move on because I wasted a lot of time and mental energy just feeling angry at people who I'm sure spent zero time thinking about me at all. It is an interesting the the invoicing thing is interesting though from a from a entrepreneur perspective because it even after eight years of doing this, I still get anxiety every month when it comes to my invoicing as though I'm like, oh, are they going to bulk it this many hours? Or like, like I still get nervous sending invoices for (laughs) to clients and like getting, I'm afraid of getting the response that Dakota did of like, well, I don't think you put in this many hours and this didn't like, and that is such a, it's really disrespectful. Well, and it's just like, yeah, it's disrespectful, but it's like, why am I still, why am I feeling this still eight years in about sending invoices? Cause it's like, you know, they don't give a crap about sending, like they've sent out invoices to their people all the time and never give two things, like think about it. But yet I sit there and like, oh, like, I'm nervous about sending this out. Like, why are are we like this? I know. And, uh, you know, I, we could have a whole podcast uh, on I mean, on so many of these topics, but I think that, um, you know, there, there is an issue. And certainly when I was an an accountant, we, I talked about this with my accounting people is big topic in accounting actually, uh, is, you know, is the billable hour really the best way to, Mm -hmm. to bill or, or invoice customers? Um, because it, it creates a strange um, relationship between the contractor and, and, and the customer. Um, and yeah, when, when you're a service provider, um, there's a certain, there's no way to prove that you actually spent that amount of time. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, look, you hired me to do this. You, I am, I am the expert here. And yeah, I spent that amount of time. Like the, you need to pay me what what is agreed in the contract. So, yeah, it's why I I, and, I, like, I can yeah. Like what grieves me so much about this is that we went over what these activities were going to cost yeah. multiple times, and 
the piece that they were arguing with me with was a regular service that was provided to them every single month and hasn't changed in two years. And then just now they're like, oh, we didn't really see that. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I, yeah. It's like total show of, of disrespect. It's, this is what happens to so many, um, um, the only word I can think of is solopreneur, even though I really dislike that word because A, it doesn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. It's one of those like trendy words, but you know, freelancer, you know, sole um, um, proprietor, I guess. Um, You know, smaller businesses or individual contractors are always the ones to, um, to receive the poor treatment from larger companies because they know or they think um, that they don't have the leverage, right? And I see that with small businesses who who are who get into working with larger um, companies, which is great. I mean, that's a, that's a way to grow and build your business. But then, you know, all of a sudden they're providing products and services and don't get paid for, you know, three months, four months, and they're sort of begging to be paid any part of their invoice. And it's like these larger corporations are using these small businesses as a line of credit, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and they are the least able to to take that hit on the cash flow. It's a huge problem. I've always said that um in well, it could be in any city, but in Calgary, that we should create a blacklist, like a Google Doc, a blacklist of companies that don't pay or take 90, 120 days to pay invoices. And so that all consultants know to yeah. not work with them because I think it's it's a massive issue that um, um, never gets talked about. And I also think it, it leads back to the discussion of whether like, I know some consultants will ask for at least 50% up front or whatever there's getting into all those conversations. But I mean, yeah, we could talk about this all day, but I want to talk to you about the the Women's (laughs) Chamber of Commerce. And as I said, I sort of fell into it, but I've already been to like two of these town hall sessions, which you do, which I think are amazing. Like anybody can go. Mm -hmm. Um, But tell us a little bit about the, I mean, the why um, that this had to be even created. And then some of the things that, that you're there to provide and what the future sort of goals are of the, of can WCA, WCC. Yeah. So, uh, so fundamentally, fundamentally I created, uh, the, the chamber because, uh, because it didn't exist. Uh, and, and it was needed, you know, to fill, to fill a gap. So, um, in, uh, in the fall of 2017, I was running my, um, my accounting firm working, um, primarily with, uh, women identified business owners and they were telling me their stories and their stories in every way mirrored mine in terms of, you know, having these same challenges and facing these same barriers and trying to build our businesses. And there was nothing wrong with our businesses. There's nothing wrong with the business model. Um, we were just coming up against um, barriers externally. So, 
you know, I was frustrated and I have a, a very low tolerance for BS and, and nonsense. So I'm ranting and raving to uh, to my people. And, and someone in my network said, you know, Canada doesn't have a women's chamber of commerce. And I knew they existed in the US and other countries around the world. And I, you know, I just kind of assumed that Canada would have one. You know, of course they would, especially if the U.S. has one. Of course, Canada has one, but we didn't. Uh, so, so that same day, I, I went home and I googled how to start a chamber of commerce in Canada, <laughs> and uh, within wow. the week, I I incorporated a not for profit, uh, and and that's how it started. And I'm glad that I was so impulsive because if I had taken a step back and thought. Uh, realistically about how much this how much work this would be and how big of a thing this would be I think I would still be at home writing in a notebook planning the perfect chamber of commerce so sometimes impulsive is good because you just have to dive in um so so that's that's kind of the actual how it happened um but I did do some research um, because I knew that people would come at me saying like, well, why, why do we need a women's chamber of commerce? Um, and so what I did was I, I downloaded the policy books, um, which are, uh, you know, written out policies that, um, that the chambers of commerce publish. And these are the submissions that they make to the government um on an annual basis so i downloaded these uh they put them together as quote-unquote policy books i downloaded the last it was either three or five years from the canadian chamber of commerce and i did the same from the ontario chamber of commerce so those are you know the two biggest chambers of commerce in canada and i'm reading through and it's you know i'm not seeing anything and so i get um kind of tired of reading through the books and so I just do like a word search in the PDF for, for, and I search for the word woman or women and I get zero results. No way. Yeah. So Canadian Crazy. Chamber of Commerce, zero results. Um, Ontario Chamber of Commerce, one result for women. And it was a policy to try to... Um, put in some kind of program for women in skilled trades. That's it. Um, and, you know, it's not that different today. Uh, there's a lot more hits for women, um, but they're all um, centered around one policy and it's just that childcare policy. Everything else, nada. So, um and, you know, the Canadian Chamber only, uh, they they now have a council for women's advocacy, but they only started that council in 2019. And that's the Canadian Chamber. So I'm not, um, you know, I could say this and say, you know, these chambers of commerce are are doing something that or they're they don't care about women but the truth is that chambers of commerce are membership organizations and they exist to advocate on behalf of their members so i don't have they don't publish a list of their members no uh and 
but what I suspect, particularly based on um, the cost of joining those chambers of commerce, I suspect that they're doing um, probably an okay job of advocating for their members because I suspect that um, the majority of their members are not women-identified business owners. So that's the fact. That those those are the facts, but that still leaves a gap to be filled. So that's why uh, we needed the Chamber of Commerce, and I also wanted to bank on the brand name of Chamber of Commerce because it's a uh, it's as an institution it's been around so long that we just accept that it's around. Um, and that it has power. But a lot of people don't even really know what a chamber of commerce does, including people in government. I've had to explain to people in government what a chamber of commerce does. Um, but like other institutions that exist, you know, for long periods of time, it just becomes an accepted institution that holds power. Um and those powerful institutions are always, uh, or, well, let's face it, always um, belong to powerful people. And so I wanted to take that brand name and instead use it on behalf of uh, a less powerful group. And and that, that worked, right? Because as it gave the the women's chamber of commerce immediate legitimacy and credibility with government with with other organizations because within 6 months of launching in January 2018 uh we were you know we had less than 50 members but we were receiving um invitations from different ministries in Ottawa to travel to Ottawa to meet with deputy ministers to meet with other people to to do consultations and you know we're Next year will be our five-year anniversary, but um, you know I've I've uh, testified in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee twice. I've I've been to Ottawa many times to meet you know Prime Minister's office, this kind of thing. Um, last year, uh, I was invited to to be part of the group that that uh, gets a sneak peek like a, a of the budget before it's actually presented all of these different kind of indications of uh, legitimacy and profile. So that's what I wanted to uh, capture and make use of and kind of exploit on behalf of women identified and non-binary entrepreneurs. And so, so that's what we're doing. Wow. And what, like, yeah, I really am interested. I mean, Again, we could talk about a whole thing about the government um, angle, but what are um, what are some of the key, like top issues that women entrepreneurs are dealing with um, that the Women's Chamber of Commerce is here to work towards solving for black yeah. better. So, um, so when we first started. Uh, I we pulled the membership as small as it was, and and we had we published an advocacy agenda with uh, four 
That's Pop Bailey. It. It's okay. You'll okay. if you're on this often enough, you'll know about Bailey. <laughs> so we had right. four different topics, one of which was access to capital. But um but one of them was childcare and these different things. What we're what we've done now is we want to really focus our efforts on um on one uh area, and that's economic equity and specifically access to capital. Because whenever we get our members together, whenever we poll our members, we end up talking about that issue. And I think when you when we look at the other issues, um, everything um, kind of can be traced back to the access to capital and economic equity, uh, whether it's, you know, unpaid caretaking and and other uncompensated labor or um you know discriminatory legislation uh, pay equity issues uh access to markets um or you know actual access to cash capital uh that is you know the business you cannot grow a business without sufficient um, capital. So without that issue being sufficiently dealt with, um, there's there's no way that uh, women business owners are going to, to make a dent. Um, and, and what I also think is a is an issue a major issue but this is sort of more cultural and it kind of overlays everything is you know of course the the gender norms the um the sort of uh overall um cultural patriarchy yes you got it um but within but because of all of that there is this um long standing uh, rhetoric and narrative about women business owners, and it hasn't really moved much over the decades. And really, what it started with was, why aren't women entrepreneurs exactly like? Why aren't they doing what men are doing? And if if they just did what men were doing, they should be successful. So why aren't they? And even though it's not, um, even though it's not said in the same way, it hasn't really moved that far along. So, um, so because the rhetoric and narrative is still that saying women need to do more networking, really? Do they? No. Do women need to do more networking, or do they need money to actually build their business? Um, do, you know, women need mentoring. Really? Do they? Um, because unless mentors are giving us loans and, and money to build our business, they can give, they can give us all the advice in the world, but we can't actually take action on any of that advice without money. Right. Um, so, so we have the same advice, the same interventions talked about in every single report, decade after decade. Um, and because of this uh, rhetoric, the research questions never change. 
The design of the research studies never change. And so no new ideas or interventions are ever uh, produced. So it's just the same thing over and over again. And nothing ever happens. Um, And yet, even though there's been no progress, people are still pushing out the same programs and and the same crap, really. Um, And no one's really saying anything about it. It's like, okay, another mentorship program. Let's go, ladies. So I, what I really want TNWCC to do is say, look, we're going to create a community. We're going to have a, a, a space for really important conversations. And, and I want us to be out there um, holding um, these conversations publicly and saying this stuff uh Maybe it works for some people, but <clears throat> what needs to change is uh, is at the systemic level. So let's let's quit going on about the same nonsense because nothing has changed. Um, and let's quit focusing on individual business gains. Let's get together as a community, as a group, and um, and communicate as <clears throat> a collective that we are not going, uh, that we are dissatisfied with uh, the systemic um, sexism, racism, misogyny um, that permeates our our culture and our political systems, and, and we're not going to put up with it anymore. That is amazing. I'm like totally uh, sitting um, here. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I could listen to I could listen to Nancy talk all day. <laughs> really. Um, yeah. Nancy, what mm. are some of the like in person? Like, I realize we just finished sure. through a pandemic, but like, what's what are some of your favorite like programs or community centric events that you guys have developed in the past or are developing? Like, are you thinking of anything like that in terms of where women can get together in person and do something cool together? So from from an organizational standpoint, um, we we don't have the resources right now um, to effectively um, launch in-person events i think in particular because as a national organization i want to make sure that we are uh communicating both in our marketing materials but especially in our actions that we are not a toronto-based organization that um says that we care about the rest of canada but really just has all of our programming in toronto right um so right. in order to scale in-person events, we we do not have the resources for that. What I do think is possible is um, for us to work with our members across Canada and um, start brainstorming ideas with them on how and give them some tools or communication tools so that they can start gathering folks in their area 
to start doing really cool things with them. That I think is potentially scalable because I don't want it to be urban focused. I want women in rural Canada, in Northern Canada to, to be a part of this as well. Right. Um, well, as we wrap up here, I do want to say that um, all our listeners, uh, we will have all this information in our show notes, but uh, canwcc.ca is the website that you go to to get all the information on what the Women's Chamber of Commerce is doing, some of the big initiatives, as Nancy talked about, they've been at Parliament and they're they're getting in, they're getting invited to all those big discussion areas in terms of money, um, because money is the biggest thing as we grow businesses. And we know that um, women are most the most successful um, entrepreneurs when they're given the resources to do so. But um, I think we're going to have Nancy back at some point. I think there's a lot of yeah. these discussions still to be had. So Thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, again, I think it's such an amazing, amazing uh, organization. And there's so many great ways for us to get involved. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 